Tensely, nervously, the four men in the semi-gloom of the padlocked speakeasy waited. Their faces gleamed in the flame of the single candle that flickered and guttered on the dust-laden bar. Their whispers disturbed the stillness of walls that had once echoed to drunken laughter and the clink of liquor glasses. One of them was pacing restlessly. His quick jerky steps crossed and recrossed the spot where, months before, the speakeasy's owner had dropped under the flaming snouts of gangster guns, the spot where he had gasped out his life in a hideous welter of blood. Sinister stains showed on the floor. Ghosts of a harrowing past seemed to lurk in dark, chill corners of the room. Ghosts of murder, intrigue, and violent death. The pacing man was Monk McGurrin, ex-mobster and beer-runner. The three with him were underworld colleagues, banded together tonight in response to a single motive—greed. McGurrin paced on, his shadow moving across the blood-stained floor like a portent of evil to come. The others were trying to conceal their impatience. Slats Becker sat slumped in a chair, a limp cigarette hanging from his lower lip. Doc Weiser, sleek and immaculately dressed, examined his nails with studied carelessness. Tony Garino, hair black as night, face as cold and white as marble, was hunched in brooding silence. They were a sinister crew, human wolves, who had followed the lawless caravan of prohibition in the years when King Alcohol ruled the underworld. Each had made and lost a fortune. Now, like wolves denied their accustomed prey, they were hungrily out for whatever fare they could get. Monk McGurrin jerked a jeweled watch from his vest, a relic of former grandeur. His voice rasped with impatience as he glanced at the dial. Tin-tin! Why the hell don't he show up? He's got a noive keeping guys like us waiting. He's screwy, I tell you. Slats Becker drew a bundle of century notes from his pocket. He spread them on the table in front of him, gestured and shrugged. He may be screwy, but these is real leaves he hands out. They look good to a bird who ain't seen a greenback since your Uncle Sam put the skids under old man Volstead. McGurrin stopped before the little gangster, stabbing a bony finger toward his face. Did you ever see a big shot like him? he cracked. Answer me that, Mug. So what? said Becker carelessly. So what? He's phony, I tell you, that's what. He ain't told us about the job he once pulled. It's okay by me, so long as there's a little gunplay, said Becker. He patted his right-hand pocket fondly where a flat automatic rested. Those snaky, skillful hands of his had written a dozen grim pages in the Black Book of Death. They were ready to kill again. Gunplay, sneered McGurrin. You got that guy sized up wrong. He ain't no big shot, I say. You never heard of him, did you? You never seen him before. The others shook their heads. McGurrin, arrogant and talkative, was voicing their own secret thoughts. The man who had hired them, arranged for them to meet him here at ten, was a mystery to them. He had them guessing, worried. Tony Garino spoke, spreading his soft white hands. Maybe he's a come in from shy, he said, or maybe he's a just out of stir. Monk McGurrin snorted. I know all the good guys in jail this side of Frisco, and I don't know this mug. He's just a cheap crook trying to get tough. He's got his mitts on a little dough, and he thinks he's a...